All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Uh, I want to thank uh, each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. They are Blue Goldwaters Technologies, Prophecy Platinum, Balmoral Resources, Golden Arrow Resources Corp., and SGX Resources. Well, I'm really pleased to have with me for a second time Andy Hoffman. Andy is a certified financial analyst. Uh, he joined Franklin Miles, uh, Miles Franklin, I should say, as marketing director in October 2011. And uh, for a decade, he was a U.S.-based buy-side and sell-side analyst, most notably as a highly ranked uh, oil service analyst at Solomon Smith Barney. Uh, from 1999 to 2005, and since 2002, his focus has been entirely on precious metals, and since 2006, has written uh, free missives regarding gold, silver, macroeconomics under the moniker Ranting Andy. And prior to joining the company, uh, he spent some time, five years in fact, as uh, in investors re- investor relations roles with various uh, numerous junior mining companies. So it's uh, really good to have you back again. Andy, welcome. Oh, it's a pleasure, Jay. Thanks for having me. Really good to have you. You know, um, because I think I think you bring um, something uh, to this market. Uh, a mainstream analyst who has kind of seen the the folly of uh, of of the Kool Aid that is being uh, that people are being asked to drink on Wall Street. So I think it's really a, it's really a pleasure to learn to know you and some of the a couple of the other folks that I met up with down at the. Um, uh, down in Dallas, uh, where we met um, uh, a few weeks back, uh, you know, I, I'd like to focus on. I, I should, before we get started, should tell our listeners that uh, they can go to uh, to listen. Uh, they can actually read your your missives. Every, I think you write every day, don't you, Andy? Absolutely, milesfranklin.com. Milesfranklin.com, and you can actually ask, access that as well by going to Jay Taylor Media and clicking on the Miles Franklin. Uh, banner right there, but <clears throat> Andy, I'd like to start out by asking you about a a, uh, a piece that you posted uh, on Miles Franklin blog earlier today, uh, and it's uh, titled "China Alone Is Buying Enough Gold to Make Prices Soar." Uh, can you give our listeners a sense of how much gold the Chinese people are buying, and is it is it the people, individuals that are buying, or is the government also uh, accumulating gold? Well, obviously, they never really break out to you what these, quote, imports are, you know, who's Mm -hmm. buying them and and where they're going to. But it's safe to say that since the only imports that they report are those going into Hong Kong, uh, and that there are many cities uh, in China much bigger than Hong Kong, that there's a lot more going in. And, of Uh course, since the Chinese government hasn't reported a change in their 
official position, I think it's 1,054 tons in something like four or five years. Uh, obviously, they are buying a lot that they're not telling us about. So, uh, look, based on my experience, I was in China last month uh, for two weeks. In fact, I was in Hong Kong and I was in Guangzhou. And, uh, you know, like when you go here, you see strip malls with all kinds of uh, clothes, you know, all kinds of clothes stores next to each other. There you'll see seven or eight, um, you know, jewelry slash coin stores all right next to each other, and they'll all be filled with people. So uh, I don't know how much the government is actually buying, but I could tell you the population is buying a ton. And, by the way, the people that I met there, uh, who I was there for reasons that had nothing to do with business, uh, and these people were not financial people, but every single person I spoke to knew exactly about what gold is and what means, and they all, uh, you know, say that we buy it whenever we can. And so, Andy, do they have a sense then that it is a store of value, a monetary metal? How do they how do they see it? Have they expressed yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, it's like in India, the same way. If you ask a, a Chinese person what their net worth is, they generally are not going to talk about it in terms of yuan. Uh, and, and that's really that's especially the case in India. They're going to talk in terms of their real items of value, and when it comes to monetary items, they're going to talk about gold and silver. Uh, that's just that's just the, the mindset. Remember, the first fiat currencies that failed ever were in China, so they yeah. have the longest history of anybody. Yeah, and, and we're still believing that they can be run successfully. Or at least some people do. The majority of Americans still believe that. Yeah, because we just we just don't have enough history as a country. In fact, anyone and you know we're a dumbed down population that doesn't even read our own history because we've already lost. Uh, two currencies, the Continental and the Confederate dollar, and, yeah. and uh, Lincoln's greenback would have would have been gone too if the Civil War went on another six months. You know, the Chinese, um, I, I believe, in addition to um, to the gold that is reportedly being imported into China, there's also China is supposed to be the the world's largest gold producer now. And my friend Chen Lin, who's from Beijing tells me that that's to a great extent because the Chinese are using methods that are not allowed to have been outlawed <clears throat> to a great extent in the U.S. and there's a lot of pollution and so forth that's taking place. Nonetheless, they are producing, they are the world's largest gold producer now that, of course, South Africa has fallen by the wayside to a great extent. But it, you would have to think then that, uh, that the Chinese government must be building up a lot of gold, I would think. Yeah, but, they, but I wanna, they, they yeah. keep every ounce that they produce, and the same goes with silver, and, and actually goes for a lot of things. Remember the whole run-up in the rare earth metals a few years right. ago, because they are the biggest producer, and they won't let any out of the country. And they seem to have a sense that, that's, that there's something real about those metals, that's something very useful about them. Um, well, well, how do, you know, you mentioned, so you're measuring what comes in through... Hong Kong, I guess that's where we get information is what goes through Hong Kong. Is that right? There, so you're saying that there could be other entry points into China that, were, that are not being reported? Yeah, I mean, Hong Kong isn't even China per se. It's a, yeah. you know, kind of a separate, whatever you want to call it, but you know, between Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou. Actually, in that very piece you're talking about, uh, you know, there's, a great, uh, there's a great graph from Casey Research that's comparing the amount of world mine production to the amount of physical delivery on the Shanghai uh, Gold Exchange. People don't even know about the Shanghai Gold Exchange, but we, uh, it, it, there's, there's 10 times more delivery there than there is on the COMEX. And yet the price discovery always occurs in the paper markets because just all the naked shorting that goes on over here. Shanghai ultimately is going to be the price discovery mechanism of the world when the, the COMEX finally uh, dies, which it will. And, and uh, you know, just look at all that delivery. That's not Hong Kong. That's, that's Shanghai. 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I look at, I'm looking at this chart now, the amount of delivery versus, uh, uh, the, the physical, the Comex physical delivery. How, how much of the, how much of the Comex actually do, do people take delivery from, on the Com- Comex trades? What percentage? It's a good More question. I, I don't have it exactly, but I have heard numbers as low as 3% of all the trades. And, uh, now that the, you know, now that there's so many, there's so much government, uh, manipulation involved, I wouldn't be surprised if it's even lower than that. I mean, every month, I, I wrote recently about the registered inventories. There's only 670,000 registered ounces of gold on the COMEX. That's only worth a billion dollars. That's the entire inventory that they have. Yeah, they have eligible inventory, but that's not really inventory. That's just simply other people's gold that they're holding for them. So this entire exchange, which makes up the entire price-setting mechanism of the world every day, is based on almost no gold. And the same with silver. There's only a billion worth of registered silver on the comics as well. How long can that go on, though, Andy? I mean, if, if uh, and why do we really need the COMEX? Uh, it, it seems to me like it's nothing more than a gambling casino, essentially. It's, it's not yeah. to do, if there isn't any real offtake from there, why do we even need uh, the COMEX? Except well, it that perhaps it, it, it allow, except that perhaps uh, it is, as you say, the official price. But why is it the official price if it's just mostly a mirage? Well, I mean, it, it goes back to the whole Gata thing about the physical market will overwhelm the paper and then the, the game will end. I mean, there were 3 million registered ounces in April just before what I call the uh, alternative currencies destruction when they took gold down $200 in two days and silver 4 or $5 and Remember, Bitcoin crashed all on the same day. I mean, so we've lost 78% of the registered inventory since that time. Uh, and so basically, peop- there is a run going on there. There's a run going on GLD. The price is down 20%. GLD's inventory is down 33%. So the point is we're going to run out, and then the manipulators in the, in the, uh, the West who are desperately trying to hang on to the reserve currency statuses they have on the dollar and the euro uh, will be overrun by the reality of real money. It's just a matter of time. And, you know, will it happen this year? I don't know. It could, but it's not yeah. going to be five years from now, that's for sure. Yeah. So, they, so, the, so the COMEX is really running down its, its physical supply at the same time. Uh, at the same time. Yeah, but, well, so where, is the, where are the Chinese getting their gold? Is it, is it coming out of the ETFs, for example? Is that where it's coming? Where is it coming well, from? Yeah, that's, 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 I mean, someone has to be taking all this gold out of the COMEX, and someone has to be taking the, the gold out of GLD. And since you're, these graphs are showing massive, I mean, look, the amount of imports into Hong Kong alone are going to double this year. Can you imagine, if, as I wrote in the thing, yeah. can you imagine looking at that chart and seeing, and thinking, seeing uh, gold down 20% for the year? They are going to double le- uh, last year, and then last year it doubled the year before, and the, and the year before it doubled the year before that. So clearly the physical that's coming out of the GLD and the comics, a lot of it's going to China, but it's not just China. Of course, we know that the central banks have been net buyers for years. We know the Russians tell us how much they're buying. Certainly uh, the, in the Middle East, you know they're buying, and all these places where they're having uh, collapsing currencies like India and Brazil and all that stuff. So it's going places outside of the West, and it will continue to go there until the game ends for the Western currencies, and all the gold is in the East. I would uh, suggest to our listeners that they, that they go to J. Taylor Media, click on the Miles Franklin banner, and then go to Andy's, Ranting Andy's uh, latest piece there and his, his blog, 
because a picture is worth a thousand words. And when I'm looking at these at these charts here, it really tells a story. It helps to put into picture form the dramatic rundown on gold. And uh, you know, it's just it's just incredible, Andy. It's just incredible that we can sort of believe, make believe in this country. Uh, you know, and just turn our backs on reality. It's just, it's just incredible. What, why do you think that the China, why do you think China has been encouraging its own citizens to buy gold? What evidence is there of that? I mean, they've relaxed the laws, I know, over the last number of years. They've really made it possible, whereas one time it was impossible. It was against the law to buy gold in China. Uh, it's been quite a while now. They've been loosening that up. Uh, what have they been doing more recently to encourage Chinese people to buy gold? Well, it really started, I believe, about five or seven years ago when they literally made it legal because, uh, as you said, it was illegal mm-hmm. uh, to buy it. And they not only made it legal, but about 2009, they actually put out a real aggressive PR campaign uh, around the country telling people the, the, be- the benefits, the merits of owning precious metals. And, and the people have always wanted to buy it but were never allowed to. And now that they are and they see the gold, the, the government's actually supporting it, they're, you know, they're going in hand over fist. I'm not sure what they're doing now. I didn't necessarily see anything mm-hmm. there. But then again, everything was in Chinese, <laughs> so I, I yeah. couldn't tell what it said. <laughs> yeah. But uh, look, they, they look. They are thinking long term. They know very well that they have a billion and a half people to feed. They know very well that the Western system is destroying itself, and that they are desperately trying to divest themselves of these paper currencies like the dollar and into real items of value. Because again, he who has the gold rules. And eventually, uh, all the gold will be gone in the West, and they will they will be dictating, uh, you know, the the financial state of the world. And it, it could be a lot sooner than people think. Andy, you know, I read in the Financial Times, uh, maybe in the New York Times and elsewhere, where um, American, where large like J.P. Morgan and some other maybe some other large corporate banking interests have gone to. Um, have hired the, the 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 children of the rich and powerful in China, and do do you think that our large corporatocracy is probably trying to get gain some influence among these leaders and try to circle the wagon and get them to come into our uh, to join our sort of one world uh, government movement, the one that that I think is, is very much uh, in play in some ways. Uh, do do you think? That there, behind the scenes in geopolitics, there's lots of things going on now. For it was pointed out uh, a couple of weeks ago um, by um, Ann, by uh, Ann Brown um, on my show. She she was talking about how the co- the countries that we consider to be rogue states are really the countries that don't go along with our banking schemes, uh, with the IMF and the World Bank and the likes. Now Russia and China kind of do, but the rogue nations like Syria and Iran and those thumb their nose up at us but do you do you see some bigger uh, thing at play here and do you, do you think do you think that the chinese will ultimately tell the united states to get lost and that they will be, they will prevail in the, as as the us continues to uh, you know as, as its monetary system continues to self destruct well i'm not necessarily of the one world um, thought but it's not it's not so much that it can't be it's just that i i haven't seen no one has shown me proof, and honestly, I can't see how uh, the East could be communicating the West with the West. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was the Chinese and the Russians, uh, not, first of all, most of them can't even speak the same language, let alone yeah. to plan and take over the world together. I think, if anything, you would see blocks 
uh, start to set up, such as East versus West, because the West uh-huh. has exploited the East for so long. And, um, yeah, I mean, J.P. Morgan, they buy, they bought the whole government. Why not try to buy the Chinese government? But it's right. not going to work. I yeah. mean, uh, the, the fact is that uh, J.P. Morgan will, uh, you know, has inside information, everything that's going on, and as long as the people don't revolt against them, they'll be around, uh, you know, trying to destroy the world. But the big picture is just the, the math. I mean, the math says that the U.S. and the West is bankrupt and that ultimately the currencies of bankrupt nations uh, are, you know, collapsed. Uh, the Chinese uh, and the Russians, for instance, are are rapidly gathering wealth in the form of real real items of value, like um, like gold and silver. And in time, uh, it could be a long time, it could be a short time, but in time, the uh, the, the power will shift over there. Yeah, it it uh, would seem to be it would seem to be the case. It just seems to be very interesting now. If you look at what's going on in Syria, uh, certainly with Russia, uh, China. Um, of course, Iran opposing, and uh, it, it just seems to me that gold is is certainly in play here. But if you know, if our policymakers could, they'd ship every ounce of gold on the face of the earth to the moon. They would get rid of it, right? So, and and, and so, um, I guess to perpetuate this scheme of 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 theft, right? Isn't that what's going on here? The po- the people that are in a power that have control uh, of our monetary system, Wall Street and Washington, essentially. Uh, are able to reallocate wealth from the people that created. I like to say from the farmers, the miners, the manufacturers, the inventors, to the bankers and, and Wall Street. Isn't that what's going on? Yeah, they look. They've commandeered the system. Uh, basically, you go back to the repeal of, of Glass-Steagall in 1999. That's when the banks uh, were able to gain immense wealth and power and use it to their own advantage. And you know, look, the Fed is uh, you know basically owned by the banks and. Uh, it's become one little um, feedback loop between, you know, the evil bankers and politicians, and they couldn't care less whether, whether the rest of us live or die. And uh, they're going to take everything they can and hold on to the status quo where they're in power for as long as they can. That's why they have to uh, manipulate every single market on the planet every single day and create all these draconian laws. And, you know, that's all we can do is protect ourselves. It's just look at it and say, well, of course they're coming for us soon. Whether next, whether it's another bailout or bail in or martial law or or um, or market collapse or or uh, draconian tax laws or the National Defense Authorization Act, you name it, they're going to come after us in one way, shape, or form. And all we can do is think about how we may protect ourselves from when these things happen. Right. You mentioned the Bitcoin. They went after Bitcoin, destroyed it. There are people that are that are very concerned about the um, imposition of some sort of a uh, monitoring device in our bodies, like chips, so forth. Certainly, the technology is out there to do that now. Uh, so, but I guess as you're saying, we all we can do is just do the best we can and try to protect ourselves. We owe it to ourselves as as individuals, as human beings, to protect ourselves and the people closest to us, starting with our families, to do whatever we can. So that's what I know you're about, Andy. I know that's what what your firm is about, and and. Really, the 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 easiest way and the best way and the most sensical way to do that is to uh, is to buy gold and silver, which is which are bartering instruments that have been used throughout history. I mean, you buy real tangible assets, exchange this phony fiat currency for something that's real, and the most tangible and easily uh, easily easy item to be used as money as barter is gold and silver. And so your your firm, of course, sells. 
gold and silver. What what sort of just mostly bullion products that you're selling, like like uh, coins, or what what does your firm sell? Yeah, yeah, we have the full range of retail products. I mean, we don't sell 400 ounce gold bars, but um, we sell uh, we sell everything from junk silver to uh, you know to a hundred uh, or even a thousand ounce bar, uh, silver bars if you wanted to. And of course, mm-hmm. we recommend uh, one ounce coins for the most part, and um, you know and in some cases, uh, fractionals, but really, it's just it's it's just for your personal what you're going to do to protect yourself personally, your friends, your right. family, uh, your relatives, etc. And and of course, we have storage programs in several places, particularly uh, in Montreal, Quebec, for people uh, who don't feel comfortable having it home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you go to J Taylor Media and click on the uh, Miles Franklin. Um, banner and it will take you right there and avail yourself to what Andy and other people are writing there as well. Andy, I'd like to ask you a little bit about this tapering issue. You had it right. Um, you, you were Your call was exactly right. Um, why, did, why, did you think it, why did you think there would be no tapering and why do you think Wall Street was all prepped for it to happen? Well, I mean, tapering is it's just, uh, as we were talking about yesterday, it's a meme created by, uh, by the powers that be to, to try to guide people's thinking uh, that, yes, the Fed is in control, they, they, you know, things are recovering, they're going to be able to do something, uh, you know, to unwind. But the fact is, it's no different than the exit strategy quote from two or three years ago or the green shoots. They just make this stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they use it to try to get the MSM mainstream media to write about how everything's great and how about gold is bad and all that. But the fact is that when you have an economy, an entire global economy, I have a piece called, uh, I think, uh, uh, Global uh, Debt Addiction, I forgot what it's called. Mm-hmm. Even the slightest increase in interest rates destroys economies. And look at what has happened just in the couple of months since the idiotic Fed hinted that they might taper as right. the economy got better, we've seen a plunge in retail sales and durable goods and, and housing starts, you know, across the board. And, of course, remember, just the federal government alone, you have $17 trillion of debt plus $5 trillion with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac off balance sheet. Each 1% increase adds to the annual deficit by, you know, $200 billion. Yeah. And that's just, that's just the federal. So there is not a single ounce of this economy or the world economy that can handle even the slightest increase in interest rates, and that's why they can't taper. And by the way, as, as I wrote about today, you'll see it, um, it may even be out by now, you know, the, the, the Fed now owns 32% of all the treasuries and 42% of all the mortgage-backed securities. Mm. So pretty soon they're going to own the whole market. There'll be nothing more to QE. There'll be no more collateral in the market, which is what actually I wrote about today as well. Uh, so, I mean, they literally are becoming the only player in every market. And so ultimately... The only thing they can do is sell. Uh, so, you know, what do they do now? Well, let's think through this, Andy. Let me help yeah. me understand. Um, yeah. What What is the logical consequence of this? Let's say they have to keep buying, and they will have to keep buying to keep rates down. Uh, and even if they do keep buying, will rates stay down? Will they rise anyway? Because after all, they've risen a lot already. Just on, as you mentioned, just on the on the basis of mentioning the possibility of tapering. Yeah, well, uh, there's no more buyers. The only two major buyers, other than the only two major holders, other than the Fed, are uh, are Japan and China. And they own, if the Fed owns 32 percent, then they own 15 percent each. And they have started selling aggressively this summer. Uh, so, so the point is. Everyone knows that there's no buyers left except for the Fed. So at some point, 
the speculators, too, are going to start selling because they're going to realize the Fed can't hold the market up by themselves, especially, you know, I mean, just the act of printing all this money is, is hyperinflationary by nature. Who on earth wants to even hold a Treasury bond, let alone buy one? So they're going to all start selling them en masse, and the only thing the Fed's going to be able to do is to just keep printing and buying more. And ultimately, currency uh, collapse is, is what happens every time. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm. Uh, what I think has got to happen is that, in fact, uh, at some point, at some point, people will start dump, dumping dollars. Of course, it will be the sophisticated investors that do it first, right? The little people will be left last. They'll catch on last. The common folks that aren't uh, in the markets and and don't understand. I mean, that's not to say that Wall Street is all that sophisticated. Our friends on Wall Street that are that are that are drinking the Kool Aid that Mr. Bernanke sends their way all the time. Um, I mean, they're not exactly. Uh, no, they'll, that, but they'll. But, but, you you yeah. mentioned in the beginning. I was on Wall Street, and I left. I left because of the abuses I saw. And by the way, as you say, they're not geniuses over there. They're just the no. beneficiaries of free money. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. In fact, I would say they're some of the. You know, they they don't think they're basically. And and this works very well as long as the market keeps going up. You know, we have a a good friend of ours who's done who just ridicules my my view on the markets and my view on gold and so forth. And you know, since we've had uh, Lehman Brothers, the post Lehman Brothers recovery, he's done extremely well. You know, and it's it's a you just you know that sooner or later it's just because you buy the, you drink the Kool Aid for a while it works, but at some point in time, uh, we you know most people didn't see it coming. Lehman Brothers, not that that I did, or but but I think most of us, Andy, that were sort of a, of an Austrian school persuasion, knew that something really bad was going to happen. And now, what's different now? If anything, isn't it worse than it was before Lehman Brothers? I mean, it's uh, dramatically worse. I mean, you know, the U.S. national debt, to go back to that again, was $9.5 billion back then, $9.5 trillion. This is 2008, just five years ago. And by the way, today is the five-year anniversary of Lehman. So we've, right. added, we've gone from $9.5 trillion to $17 trillion, plus we've nationalized Fannie and Freddie, which have $5 trillion. So basically we've gone from $9.5 trillion to twenty-two trillion in just five years, and that's just the the federal. You, you look at the municipalities. Uh, Detroit's a perfect example. Uh, going across the board, the the record level of, of of consumer debt right now, the student debt. Then you look at Europe. What's happened everywhere? Japan, where they are, and that's just the debt side. Then you look at the derivatives uh, that are all set up to destroy the world if interest rates go up. You look at the fact that the global economy is dramatically worse than it was five years ago, and even with this housing boom, which was created by all this free money in Wall Street, uh, buy to rent and all that, housing prices are still way below the, what they were in 2008. So here we are with uh, everything much worse than, that, than, than before, and the Fed and all these central banks have already used all of their ammo. I mean, at some point, if they try QE5, 6, 7, whatever it is, all, all confidence is going to be lost, and there's going to be a mad uh, rush for the exits. Yeah, I mean, Bernanke was between a rock and a hard place, no, no doubt about it. I mean, if he had gone through and announced tapering, probably the markets would have, would have crapped out, crashed out. Uh, on the other hand, as you point out, it was just another step towards total, uh, total loss of confidence. So I, I imagine that you would agree with James Turk then, who wrote on a, uh, an Austrian group that I'm a part of. He said, uh, he said, uh, central banks lost control in May of this year as evidenced by the climb in yields despite Fed purchases. Yields will continue to climb because of the Fed purchases. Uh, and, um, 
so I would imagine you agree with that. Do you, you agree with that? The Fed is going to keep buying it, but ultimately people will dump dollars because they'll lose confidence and demand higher rates of interest? Yeah. I mean, what it all comes down to is fiat currency systems and, you know, the whole treasury uh, bond market is just part of the whole system are, are Ponzi schemes. The only way that they can survive is to grow larger and to grow exponentially larger like someone who's a, a junkie who needs more more, more crack to, to stay high. And it's, it's no different. They can't ever stop. If they stop for a second, they crash. Ultimately, they're going to just keep taking more, more drugs until they, until they overdose. But that's the choice they had. Yeah, he's between a rock and a hard place. It started back in 71. His predecessor, uh, uh, Greenspan, is the guy who really started the ball rolling. And when he came in office in 2006, he literally started lowering interest rates down to zero from the second he got there. And there's nothing he could do. He has to keep them down at zero forever, and he has to keep printing more money, or else the system will crash a la 2008 instantaneously. But the system is going to crash if interest rates are going to rise. Nominal rates are going to rise anyway, right? Is that of course you, you believe that because yeah, the dollar the will be, hmm? because the confidence will be lost in the dollar in the system. I believed all along. All this rhetoric about tapering was nothing more than a con job to try to keep people confident about the system. I think that's what you were implying earlier, right? Yeah, as are the green shoots that they talked about, yeah. then the exit yeah. strategy they talked about, and yeah. now this tapering. First of all, it's comical because tapering isn't even stopping. And they were even talking about tiny, a tiny decrease right. in this monster program. But I know. the point is they keep bringing these things up, which are supposedly positive, when they're not even, A, not positive, and B, they're not true. Andy, don't you think it's, I mean, this, this seems, I mean, I'm thinking all the way back in Greenspan's days, there would be certain phrases or words that would be introduced by the chairman. And then every sort of uh, puppet, on all the major media would start using it. And the next thing you, you mentioned, green shoots and tapering. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, uh, various, various things. I can't remember all of the different things. Uh, right. you, you know, how is it? It just seems it smacks to me of, of a mindless populace that basically just, just starts to repeat what they've, what they hear on the mainstream media and not think about what they're saying or think about the consequences of what the policies are. Well, we are a dumbed-down population. Uh, it happens to all the the empires uh, once they get you know fat and and uh, and you know and they don't think that they need to work hard. But uh, look, it's a great it's a great propaganda scheme, and most people don't have the money to even deal with it. They you know that's what I tell people. They say, well, why isn't anyone fighting back? Most people are just trying to survive these days. That's why more yeah. than half of the nation is on entitlement. And that they right. vote for Obama because they want Obamacare as opposed to voting him out because the economy is bad. Right. People just want to be given stuff and they want to be told good things. They don't have money to buy gold, let alone protect themselves in other ways. So they just listen. That's all. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it, I mean, it's frightening. Uh, it is downright frightening because it seems to me it's not a matter of if but when this system comes down. And, uh, you know, I, I think that all we can do is, uh, as you say, is, uh, is take care of our families. But obviously, if you understand and you have the wherewithal, you have some disposable income or some savings, you want to shift them out of dangerous fiat currencies, probably get your money out of, the, out of your bank as much as possible. You've got to keep a certain amount in there because you've got to do your transactions and so forth. But you've got to have 
you, I mean, there's going to be bail-ins. I mean, just this last week, it was yesterday, I believe, there was a um, an Italian bank that's uh, its bondholders were asked to give some of their interest up to keep the bank solvent. Uh, the European Union is requiring requiring that. So, the the white paper's been written uh, by uh, between uh, I think the Bank of England and the FDIC, making plans to uh, for bail-ins for Americans. So it's the handwriting is on the wall, isn't it? It's everywhere. It's not even just it's not even just handwriting the wall. It's happening. I mean, look at Cyprus. I mean, what more needs to be said? And it's it's ha- and you know, like you said, those uh, those bail-in plans are everywhere. I mean, the the guy who runs the ECB uh, Finance Committee, Yasselbaum, said it's a template. And um, yeah. you know, heck, that bank Monte Pasci, the one in in Italy, the oldest yes, bank exactly. in the world, they basically just announced the equivalent of a bail-in. Uh, today, because they said they're going to stop paying interest on a lot of their bonds. It's the same. Yeah, thing that's what I was referring to, people. actually. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's right. Well, you know, Andy, we're we're out of time. It goes so fast with you. I just would like to mention that I saw last week that Jimmy Carter was quoted in Der Spiegel as saying the United States does not currently have a working democracy. I, I think that uh, you know that you and I would agree with that. Uh, but that a former president would say that, of course, the mainstream media never picked up on it. I wonder why. You know, the truth, and that's what we're about. I know that's what you're about, Andy. I read your stuff. I know uh, you're very passionate about it, as am I. A lot of those people that were down there uh, in Dallas with us. Uh, there is a growing number of people out there that are really concerned about what's going on, are really speaking the truth. Uh, and I want to thank you very much for coming on. Again, folks, J. Taylor Media, go there, click on... Uh, on the um, Miles Franklin, I, Miles Franklin uh, banner, and you can get right to Andy's daily blog. A lot of great information there, and Andy, there's some other writers there too. But also the firm Miles Franklin will uh, will do very well for you uh, in terms of buying gold and silver. And uh, really, we are out of time, Andy. Thank you so much for being with us. Really good to very have you again. Today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with Daniel McAdams. Of the, uh, he's the executive director of Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Daniel always has some very interesting and, I think, very important things to say about our, uh, our foreign policy and what's going on in that realm. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Daniel McAdams. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. In this climate of increasing global economic uncertainty, just one safe haven remains precious metals. Led by a strong, proven management team, Prophecy Platinum is actively developing the Well Green Platinum Group Metals, Nickel, and Copper property. A large, easily accessible deposit in the Yukon with an estimated resource of 1 million ounces of PGM and gold indicated and a further 11 million ounces inferred. Large deposit, excellent infrastructure, impressive drill results, and increasing international demand. To learn more about Prophecy Platinum and the Well Green Project, visit prophecyplat.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. 
If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have uh, back with me again Daniel McAdams, the Executive Director of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Welcome back, Daniel. Thank you, Jay. It's always good to be with you. Good to have you with me. Uh, I know that you uh, you were traveling uh, on sort of a semi-vacation, a working vacation with your family, Hawaii, California, back to Washington for a weekend um, uh, conference. Tell our listeners a little bit about the conference. Sure, it was the Liberty Political Action Conference. They call it LPAC, and it is a gathering of um, liberty-minded speakers and participants. I think they had over 700 this year. Of course, the highlight of the event was a fantastic speech uh, by Ron Paul um, on uh, on Saturday night, I mean on Friday night, and uh-huh. uh, brought the house down as usual. And so it was a nice gathering of like-minded people. And for the Ron Paul Institute, which had a booth at the event, it was a wonderful opportunity to, to connect with our readers and supporters. And it was just, uh, just tremendous. You know, I noticed that um, there was an interview with Charlie Rose that Ron Paul did recently, and it was posted on the Ron Paul Institute website. Um, has that aired? I, I haven't seen it because I do watch Charlie Rose's interviews frequently here in New York City on Bloomberg. Uh, has that aired? Do you know if it's aired out on the uh, public out on the public uh, radio? I think it uh, had. I, I, I yeah. went and found the link uh, that came up the day that was out. So uh-huh. I believe it. I believe it aired on PBS, if I'm not mistaken. But okay. you're right. It was it was a pretty long and extensive interview with Dr. Paul. A very uh, nice interview, and I would tell our listeners that they should go to. Uh, to the Ron Paul Institute um, website, and uh, Daniel, I should really have this down by now, but it's ronpaulinstitute.org. Uh, org. Exactly, yeah. that's it. ronpaulinstitute.org, and uh, not only, so many good things there, if you care at all about foreign policy and what's going on, and if you care at all to hear a different version from the mainstream warmed-over pablum that we're getting every day, uh, the same old, same old, why we need to kill countless numbers of foreigners uh, for our own safety, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just so irrational to me. The notion that we, if we just go around and beat the hell out of everybody around the world, we're going to be more safe. <laughs> uh, you know, if you if you poke a uh, you know hornet's nest, you're probably not going to be more safe. So, in any event, uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about. Uh, I know you've been traveling, so maybe you haven't had a chance to really look at this. But the big uh, the big event over the last few days, of course, was the uh, the horrible uh, murder of some 68 people. In Kenya, and that um, sort of upscale mall that they have there uh, in their in Niobe, I guess. And and what do you make of this, Daniel? What supposedly it was a group that's linked to Al Qaeda. What is, what do you know of, uh, and how how much have you had a chance to look at this yet? Sure, you know it's incredibly complicated. There are so many different factions and sub factions and breakaways. But the one thing you can be sure of, the mainstream media's take on it is oversimplified. Um, and as you said earlier, Pablum, and even the president in his U.N. address today talked about, uh, oh, it's a terrible targeting of innocent civilians uh, and that sort of thing. Of course it was. It was horrific. 
But the backstory is what's much more complicated and much more interesting, and I don't pretend to know everything about the intricate details. However, the group that did take responsibility for the attack, Al-Shabaab, is a Somalian uh, group that is uh, al- uh, affiliated with Al-Qaeda. Um, however, the, there certainly is a signature of blowback on this. If you remember... Uh, President George W. Bush started AFRICOM, the Africa Command, in 2007. And so it sort of goes back to the old uh, Madeleine Albright, what's good at having this big army if we don't use it? So we created an Africa Command so that the U.S. military could get more involved in Africa. Mm-hmm. First, uh, it made sense, to, so we based it in Germany. <laughs> so the U.S. and Germany to control Africa. Um, so this, if you and and also as you know, it's hardly even news anymore. But the U.S. has been droning Somalia constantly for years now, mm. uh, and and droning these groups. So at the at the really the urging and behest of the U.S. and its Western allies, Kenya did invade um, Somalia in 2011, and it was sold as an attack against uh, Islamic extremists. Which certainly, to some degree, it was true. However. You know, the area they invaded was was populated by uh, this group and sympathizers to this group. And so you do see this pattern of intervention and blowback. Uh, and uh, certainly that is something that's at play there. But, you know, the other thing that's interesting, Jay, is, um, uh, and I know we maybe if we have time, we'll talk about this later, but the president's speech to the U.N. today, he talked mm-hmm. about how, um, of course, this is a horrible attack against innocent civilians. And then he went on to defend his policy in Syria of supporting the rebels trying to overthrow the Assad government. Well, the one thing that he didn't say and wouldn't say is that the very, very close allies of al-Shabaab in Somalia are the very same al-Nusra front in Syria that the president is supporting and giving weapons to. So that, in a nutshell, is the insanity of U.S. interventionist foreign policy. That's just awful. It's insane, it's awful, it's evil, it's sinful. I don't know whatever words you can use. It's just, I guess, though, it, it is what empires do, but it seems like this one is spinning out of control, Daniel. We're not even supposed to notice it, I guess. We go back to our, um, uh, to, to our television and God knows pornography, what have you, and not yeah. pay attention to what's happening in the world, but it is, it is getting so absurd uh, that you just have to, you know, you just have to stop and think. Daniel, nobody knows this. I dare say that all the talking heads on CNBC and, and, and uh, uh, you know, all the major the Fox and NBC and ABC and all that CBS, they, they're not even aware of what you just said, probably. Well, the other, the other thing that's interesting about this uh, Al-Shabaab is their other allies, very, very close allies, are the Libyan Islamic Fighting Group, uh, the hmm. very same people that the U.S. Uh, supported in Benghazi at the beginning of the attack on um, Gaddafi's government. Uh, so those, those are the two closest allies, and also al-Qaeda uh, in the Islamic Maghreb. You know, so the, these, these guys are tied into all these guys who we are supporting elsewhere. Uh, and um, It makes no sense. It's dizzying. It, well, it's certainly, but, but again, um, maybe it does make sense. You know, I like to say that, uh, as, as Ed Griffin, uh, author of Creature from Jekyll Island, has said all along about the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve, uh, in its stated policies has been a total failure, but in terms of its unstated policies, that is, the masters that it has been created to serve, it has been 
an overwhelming success in terms of bailing out its shareholders. And, and so I'm wondering if maybe there isn't some, uh, some rhyme or reason beneath the apparent insanity. I mean, it's certainly the reasons that we're being told that we go to war are for these lofty ideals of liberty and justice for all, which of course we're defying even for our own citizens now. But, um, but, and, but it doesn't make any sense on the surface, but somebody is profiting from this. Somebody's making huge bucks out of this. And I'm wondering also, Daniel, if the empire doesn't have to keep expanding, has to keep going to war to try to stay alive now, to try to keep demand in the economy going, or else it would implode into a depression. Uh, that's a good point. And like a shark, it can't stay still. <laughs> it has to can't stay still. Forward. And you, and, and you, have, to, you have to spear spear some other animal in the water so you smell some blood and get everybody to go after it. Sure, and you know, at this conference we mentioned earlier was held on the on a, in a part of uh, the out, out, uh, outskirts of D.C. that is a row of what I call the, what is the military-industrial complex, and I made reference to it in a short talk I gave there. But you go around the, the 28 corridor, and there are all these huge, uh, beautiful, wonderful architecture, interesting, huge buildings, all brand new and shiny. It's all the defense contractors, and that's right. what's driving the economy. Yeah, and certainly Washington is a, is a booming area where the rest of the uh, country, the, the parasites, they like to say, of Washington and Wall Street basically are consuming the rest of the country, sending the middle class to po- into poverty. Uh, well, you referred to the president's speech. Uh, what can you tell us about it? I, I had it on, and quite frankly, I have a hard time listening to the president. I have a hard time listening to Republican or Democrat, matters not which party. Because I just feel that I'm, I really have the, the wool being pulled over my eyes all the time. I just feel it's, it's nothing but a lot of propaganda and lies. But what did the president say today? What, did you get a chance to listen to the speech? Well, thank the Lord for transcripts, because I didn't have to listen. Okay. <laughs> nice to read it. But what's interesting, and I guess it's not a shock, but everything he said was, was a complete distortion. Um, uh, he said, uh, the United States is moving toward a peace footing ending wars, and this just two weeks after he, he proposed to start another war. Uh, he said, we're limiting our drone attacks, you know, and he's used drones more than any president in history. Uh, he says, uh, we're working to close Guantanamo. I don't know quite what that means. Uh, but here's one that really struck, stuck out, uh, Jay, that I thought was interesting. He's talking about how, quote, we deploy our military in a way that lives up to our ideals. And oh, really? Quote. And that, that? that sounds like a person that has no concept of what the purpose of the military is. Mm-hmm. It's not to go out to live up to ideals, to spread our ideals. The, the purpose of a military is to defend the United States. Right. And you would think so. War, and, and, to, and to win wars quickly uh, when they're declared with extreme violence uh, so, that, so, that the, so that an end can be put to it not to deploy it in a way that lives up to our values. It's just absurd. It's someone who has no understanding of the military. Well, unless he doesn't have an understanding of our values. Maybe, <laughs> maybe our values internally are starting to match uh, the kind of nonsense, the, the war-mongering that we're involved in overseas. You know, I mean, there certainly seems to be some... Um, it certainly seems to be an erosion of liberty that is, that is parallel to our, to our war-mongering. Certainly. And, you know, one, one final interesting, there are plenty of interesting, here's another interesting thing he said. First of all, he, 
he told he again told the lie that uh, the Syrian regime had used chemical weapons. That was never um, that has never been proven uh, at all. But he also talked about Mohammed Morsi, who was overthrown in in Egypt a few months ago, and he said yes, uh, Morsi was elected, but he was unwilling or unable to govern in a way that was fully inclusive. Uh, implication there is that it was good that he was overthrown. But if you think about the current situation in Washington, where there's a bitter battle. Um, brewing over the um, over the Obamacare uh, health care reforms right. and also over the shutdown of government, if not ruling in a fully inclusive manner, <laughs> subjects you to being overthrown, he better be careful about his words. <laughs> yeah. Well, if the American people um, are, are even thinking about what he's saying, um, you know, they see him on television, he delivers a message, he sounds like he knows what he's doing to people that don't think. And as you know, you keep the bread and circus going. Hey, look, I I personally like to watch uh, my baseball team, the Cleveland Indians, because they actually have a chance to be in the playoffs. So what am I doing? I mean, in part, it's hard to escape this, and and we do need a little bit of diversion now and then, Daniel. It's not totally bad, I guess, but sure. when Americans are totally immersed in in everything that doesn't matter and everything that does matter, they seem to be distracted away from. Um, you know, it's, I think it's it's reason for concern. My engineers are telling me that we are out of time. But, Daniel, thank you again for being with us and giving us a, a little different view of foreign policy than we get from our mainstream. Thank you very much. And, folks, it's the ronpaulinstitute.org. Go there. Read Daniel's stuff. Read Ron Paul's stuff. Read lots of interesting things. Interviews, Ron Paul's interview with Charlie Rose. You can't afford to miss that. That's very, very good. Uh, and I was thrilled, actually, Daniel, that I thought – that Charlie Rose uh, treated him with a fair amount of respect. I, I mean, he's a great interviewer. Uh, I, his politics are not yours and mine and Ron Paul's, that's for sure. But sure. Um, it, it was a great interview. Thank you, Daniel, for being with us, and we'll look to have you on again next week. Thank you, Jay. Take care. Okay. Folks, don't go away. I'll be right back with some thoughts uh, about today's show and a word or two about next week. Don't go away. I'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Golden Arrow Resources on the TSX Exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6,500-meter program on that discovery. A maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in April of this year. The project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine, operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. SGX Resources is an exploration gold company with multiple advanced exploration projects in the Timmins Gold Camp. Recent high-grade intersections at SGX's Tully Deposit include 14 meters at 20.1 grams per ton and 17.6 meters at 11.1 grams per ton. The deposit is currently more than 600 meters along strike with a depth of up to 250 meters and remains open in all directions. SGX Resources trades on the TSX Venture Exchange with the trading symbol SXR. Visit our website at www.sgxresources.com.
listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I, I hope that you enjoyed today's show. Uh, I don't know if enjoyed is the right word because I think there was uh, plenty of somewhat disturbing things that we heard. Uh, but as I've always said, I believe it's important to know the truth. I mean, if you are seriously ill, is it better to know the truth or is it better uh, so that you can deal with your illness or is it better to... Uh, make believe it's not there. Well, I guess philosophically you could say maybe it's better if you have terminal cancer and you're not feeling that ill that you can uh, not know about it and go about enjoying your life. But I like to think of it in terms of uh, if you have uh, something really wrong with you uh, to try to understand it so you can prepare as best you can to confront that problem, the problem that you have ahead of us. And of course, we're doing exactly the opposite. The policymakers, as uh, as you just heard, in our country are not only failing to solve the current problems, but all of their policy actions are setting us up for something much, much worse. And it would have been bad enough if Lehman Brothers had gone. Believe me, it would have probably been worse than anything our grandparents suffered through the 1930s. Uh, but what we have coming, I'm afraid, in the future... Uh, sort of justifies uh, the um, the ideas that some of our guests have talked about. Uh, one of our guests, in particular, talking about a nation, a cataclysmic, cataclysmic nation-changing event um, being a, a horrendous uh, financial market collapse. I think Andy Hoffman laid out uh, in talking about the enormous amount of indebtedness that we've gone from four and a half trillion to seventeen plus trillion. Uh, dollars of debt in the United States since Lehman Brothers. Uh, And the GDP, the income, is not growing nearly as rapidly as what the policymakers claim it's growing. I mean, uh, they are ignoring, they're lying to us about the real cost of living. If you took the cost of living for a family of four, measured it with the same basket of goods from one year to the next, which is what John Williams does, uh, in his uh, Shadow Stats newsletter, then we'd be looking at uh, an inflation rate that is bumping up against 10%, 7 8%, 9%. Now, if you discount the nominal GDP by 7 8%, 9% instead of 1% or 2% like the government does, then you see that we've never come out of the recession. We are still in a recession, and I really believe that that is much closer to reality than what our policymakers are telling us. And so do the American people believe that, and that's why if you look at a chart of the a confidence index of the United States and the Americans, it looks almost like the mirror image of John Williams' adjusted GDP that takes into account uh, the uh, the inflation rate because American people do not have the purchasing power uh, that the government pretends they have. So the middle class is getting wiped out. Washington, and as Daniel McAdams just said, uh, the, the defense contractors, those huge new buildings, lots of people uh, living high on the hog. The parasites are living very, very well at the expense of the common folks. Well, we heard uh, the wonderful interview that Elijah Johnson did with Ann Bernhardt. Ann Bernhardt really talked about how the, um, uh, how the establishment uh, is getting ready to rape and pillage everyone's bank account. They are starting to do it. Uh, Andy Hoffman just talked about the Italian bank that just started to have uh, bail-ins take place against bondholders there. Uh, you, you have to be aware, and, and 
it, you know, most people are being dumbed down, are not allowed to be aware of what is really going on. And they're living their lives as if everything is, is just honky-dory. Um, okay, go ahead and do that. I, I think it's, it's probably, it would, be more, it would be more pleasant to live life thinking that everything is fine and continuing with the bread and circus, uh, the baseball games, the, the shows and everything that you like to watch. But in fact, I think uh, that is not the case. Well, I do want to say, though, uh, that I, at the same time, think there's some fantastic opportunities uh, to invest in the mining companies now uh, if the world holds together. Novo Resources, keep that name in mind, write it down. Novo Resources, it's not a sponsor of this show, but it's a company I think uh, you want to pay attention to. They have what looks like could be a very substantial Whitwaters Rand type of deposit, uh, Whitwaters Rand type of deposit in South Africa, one of the largest gold deposits ever. I'm not saying that's what they've got here, but it looks very, very promising, and the market is really behaving very well for this stock compared to many others. Prophecy Platinum, we heard from Greg Johnson earlier today, I think Prophecy Platinum, uh, again, if the world holds together, is going to be a phenomenal stock. I think it's going to make people very wealthy because uh, uh, for the reasons that Greg Johnson laid out and reasons that I've talked about in my newsletter and the reasons that I own the stock. I also own Novo Resources Corp., and it is also a recommendation in my newsletter. Um, just like to mention that if you'd like to read, uh, get a sample copy of my newsletter, you can do that by going to jtaylormedia.com. jtaylormedia.com, click on the newsletter button, and that will take you to another link where you can just uh, click on that and read a sample of my monthly newsletter. We're out of time. Next week's guest, Alistair McLeod, will talk about uh, why we're inevitably heading towards hyperinflation. Uh, we're going to have some other very important guests with us as well. Uh, I want to thank Tracy Trump, uh, my producer, and Matt Widener for making the show uh, logistically possible. Thanks to each of you for listening. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.